Oh yeah. Bay vibes with a whole lot of laughs. Kicking knowledge on a new podcast. Dad vibes, but we run it with class. Listen up, show love, homie. It's the second half. Yeah, it's the second half. Hey, it's the second half. Kicking knowledge on a new podcast. Listen up, show love, homie. It's the second half. So welcome back to the second half. It's your boy Ride Boogie, and here we have Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. Love how he shouts himself out. <laughs> peaches. 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 <laughs> and lastly, the bird dog. The bird dog himself. Oh, no seductiveness. The bird dog. The bird dog. The doesn't need that. You got to put the right. in front of it. Yeah, it's messed up. It's an official title when you put the yeah. in front of it. I feel like it needs really? to sound so, like some can I jingle. The peaches? No, that sounds no. stupid as hell. No, because right? you, you already have Why are you the theme angry? Song? Why are you angry with your name? You have the theme song. <laughs> Ready, guys? Relax. Peaches, 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 peaches. peaches. Great. Thanks. So Brett needs a jingle too, though. He does. Or maybe we're, like us. We'll think of one soon enough. Great. He has a dance. It, it, you could catch it like, on oh, the second half oh. IG. He has a, um, a bird dog dance. Oh, show the dance. dance. Oh, we should show the dance. You don't have to. Well, oh, we're, we're but going this to. obviously, as you can tell from this introduction, is not your typical second half broadcast. Because today, our special guests are the better halves. Of the the better halves. Better halves. And I'll go ahead and introduce them. So first, we have Regina, who's worked in HR, mostly in equity and inclusion. We have Heather Wynn. A senior vice president in finance, Charlene Avila, a senior client success manager, and Rianne Collado, a mental health clinician. Doctor. Doctor psychology. Doctor. Really, Dr. Collado. Backgrounds here. Um, we're really going to get into some conversations to kind of flip the script here on the dad bod perspective. Um, what would be. The female version of dad bods. We can't say mom bods, right? We can't do that. Don't do um, that. In so, what would be what would be that? What would be the female bod? Milf. Wow. No. You're so dirty. Wow. Like, you guys are on the same <laughs> wavelength here. Dirty. Milf. Milf bod. Just embracing the that, milk. That, that was Heather that said milf. Oh, oh no, no, no! I was just talking about milk. I'm sorry. Oh, milk. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. With the F. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> But again, the goal of this um, this special episode is, uh, aside from having our wives with us, is to give the female perspective to our listeners. So I'm going to just jump right into the first question. Please feel free to jump in. You ladies here, again, thank you for joining us with the first question. <laughs> oh, my bad. Peaches, peaches, peaches. After Peaches to there, thank you. Yes. Um, you. I know. What were you ladies taught at home about your role or about your future roles in your future household? Sorry, I'm mm-hmm. completely distracted here. Um, so for me, my I grew up in a matriarchal household, um, and I was taught that women were um, to be independent, to not depend on anybody, especially a man, um, and that we were responsible for a um, productive household, a uh, thriving career, uh, and everything else be- in between. Wow. With uh, the rest of the wives here, did you guys have similar a similar um, upbringing as Jen's there? I had a, I had a, we were talking about this earlier, I had a different approach. Uh, keep your house in order. Know what goes in and out. Keep an eye on your other half, and your priorities are more about what others, what the lens you put on your household versus the lens you look outward. Hmm. So there wasn't like you had to get married, have kids, all that stuff. It's just make sure everything is in order and what people look in, everything looks good. 
I'm, I'm going to say I'm actually pleasantly surprised by both of those responses because growing up, we're all right around the same age. So growing up when we did, um, my expectation of those responses were just completely the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you too? Yeah. How so? Um, I, I guess for, for me... And I grew up with uh, one brother and one sister, but they were both a lot older. But um, just just knowing the dynamic in my household, I don't, I can't really speak to it. But it just what led me to believe it, I th- I think my household dynamic would have been more um, a suppressing type of um, parenting for for females. And I, 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 that's just kind of what came to mind for me. Did you guys have a? You guys had a different experience, I'm assuming. A couple. So, I was taught, being the oldest, that I had to take care of everything. You know, my, I'm the oldest, four years apart from my sister. Um, I had young parents um, that had to work at night, and so I just naturally fell into a role where. I would take care of my siblings, and so that meant cooking, cleaning, um, just being a good role model for them, and I think there was some upside to that because it's made me just a very nurturing person. I like to make sure everybody's taken care of, and um, it comes naturally. Another part of how I grew up was... um, my grandpa played a big role in being more of the nurturing one, you know, so he was, you know, he was 10 years older than my grandma, so he retired a lot earlier than she did, so it wasn't in our household that women had to stay home, and, you know, it wasn't, we weren't groomed to, you're going to stay home, take care of the kids, and you should clean the house, Everybody contributed, and my grandpa was one of those that he cooked, he cleaned, he baked, he uh, he picked up the kids at school, and he did what, you know, a lot of moms do, you know, now. And so, for me, it was, my grandma did that too, my mom, uh, my stepdad, so it was like everybody contributed to something. It wasn't just because you're, you know, a woman, you're going to stay home, you have to do the laundry, you're the one that has to cook type of thing, um, everybody contributed. Yeah, I can speak to that. I have some parallels to your experience growing up. Um, I mean, I wasn't as, like, um, I guess growing up, the traditional roles weren't um, applied to my household or family dynamics. Everyone had a shared, I guess, shared responsibilities. Mom and Dad um, pretty much took care of each other, us, and being like the youngest of the family, I was spoiled. You know, I didn't have responsibilities like my older siblings did, so I, I expected to be taken care of. I expected to um, <laughs> just be the young one and just you know be free. And if something were to go down, it wouldn't be on me, right? However, like like Charlene was saying. My family dynamics was also based on collective, collectiveness, collectivism, I should say. There wasn't one parent who had to take on household chores. Both parents demonstrated that to function effectively um, and healthy, you would have to put in the same amount of effort and um, energy. So we, uh, we functioned as a unit. So I think that is what we're my experience stems from in which I brought over into my family. Yeah. Perfect. Did you ladies feel empowered to pursue your own aspirations? I felt motivated. I don't know about empowerment. Uh, being a product of, I wouldn't even say I was first generation because I wasn't born here. So my parents, my mom, my aunts, um, I didn't know I had a sister until I was in middle school, high school. So I felt motivated because what Rianne was saying, we all had our duty. We collectively need to 
pull our own weight, per se. Everybody had a function, older sister, like what Charlene was saying, to take care of younger siblings. Um, Felt motivated to either not be in that hardship or prove to others who, like I mentioned earlier, people are looking in to your lens, to your window, so make sure your windows are clean. Be a, be ready to open your windows when people are, or be be ready to open your doors when people are knocking. If I can put an analogy to it, so that aspiration just to always be ready. The empowerment piece, honestly, I don't even. There wasn't a lot of resources. It was hard for at for my mom and dad to ask for help because that takes pride. How old were you when you were hearing that from your parents about? opening the window and you know be careful what you show through the lens of those windows how, how old were you when you started hearing that i didn't hear it i felt it you felt it so how is it communicated to you um emotional absence or it's the aftermath we don't we don't say i love you or hugs or anything actually there was um a few years ago, I had a conversation with my parents about something. And until this day, I don't think they know what I do for a living. But it's like, hey, you know, we were just having a conversation. How is it to be a parent? And I shared some some experience. I'm like, well, now the table has turned. And we were talking about something. And my mom has mentioned, do you remember that time when, like, you always complain we're never home in time? We've been sitting outside the house the whole time. Because it was just easier to sit outside and have an argument and have a conversation with your dad than to go in because we just let you be. It was easier to split a meal four ways between four siblings than six ways, right? So things like that, we felt during than hear it because we don't talk about feelings. So, But motivation, yeah, versus empowerment. So I think we were talking about this at dinner. Um, mm-hmm that my response would be yes and no, right? Like, I was empowered to pursue my own aspirations as long as it fit inside of whatever lines they had drawn out, right? Like, I remember talking to my grandma about wanting to be something, and she'd be like, oh, you know they don't make any money, right? You know, so then I would have to, like, change up, you know, whatever it was to to find out what would fit into, you know, whatever it was that they were expecting. Um, but if we did, you know, of course we were empowered to do whatever, what our aspirations were. How about you two? Kind of similar to Regina's. Certain things, yes, but um, I don't know why my mom, I, she has this thing of, you know, emptiness syndrome so you know things like I wanted to go to New York and study and it was always no you'll be alone and instill a little bit of that fear and then I'd back down and say oh okay but then you know if it was here you know something to do over here um, you know they were always all for it and very supportive you know if I wanted to I must have felt empowered. I mean, I would enroll myself in my own things, even as young as six years old. I remember walking to church when I was nine years old, and they'd say, yeah, if you want to go, go ahead, you know. But in other ways, like going far to college, it was an absolute no, you know. So I think it was mixed, like Regina. Depends. Yeah, let's see. For me, I think what influenced me to pursue my aspirations were definitely things that I witnessed growing up and then of course lack thereof you know the resources that my parents didn't have was fuel to my motivation to be someone more than what my parents drew out for me growing up I was always told oh be a nurse you know they make good money Um, it's a stable position you know and of course being really young and um, not really knowing what other options I had out there for myself, I listened to it, you know, like I was definitely 
I guess I felt inclined to follow what my mom's suggestions were for me. Um, you know, because for for many reasons, you know, to make her happy, make them proud. But obviously, along the line, um, as I got older and got wiser, I realized that there were more things out there for me and that nursing wasn't, you know, who I was. You know, why would I box myself in when, um, in fact, I can um, be more in my definition, you know, in my in my um, my mind. So aspirations were there um, and my parents did influence me to to be who I want to be and be the best part of me. So, yeah, I have a lot to thank to my parents because of that. They paved the way for me, and I'm here, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think you said it really well. Like, what is the difference between empowerment and motivation? I felt like motivation is something you just don't want to go back to. You will never go back there because you experience it, so you just want to just keep pushing forward and as an immigrant child who had experience living on East Oakland Stockton the hood to even East Bay Castro Valley where you're like oh you're a valley girl um the motivation to you have a bar set and then you just you want to be like somebody you want to be something you want to assimilate yourself right where empowerment is like I've been chopped at the knee I've been stripped I've been taken away I've been set back and I know how to start from negative to back to ground zero like and then move forward so I feel like I grew up with the motivation I don't want to be where my parents at because they had a dream and they want to keep pushing forward where I now feel empowered to share that with my family and my kids and anybody around me that you know it's okay to be down here you know it's okay to be back there but it's not the end of the world because you have so much here and ahead of you and I think that's the piece that I felt a huge difference between being motivated growing up versus now being empowered knowing that it's okay to ask to be behind current or ahead I, I that's how I assimilated on like growing up I think just uh, to add to that so you know I know like my grandparents um, had wanted us to kind of follow into whatever uh, aspirations they had themselves like no my grandmother really really wanted one of us to um be a dentist as well and follow in her footsteps but none of us ended up doing that um but I was really lucky to have my aunt so my aunts were a lot younger I think um pretty much you know like grew up with them and they were the ones because my parents uh they worked a lot, right? Like, they were trying to make sure that, you know, we had a roof over our head and we had food to eat and stuff. And so they weren't home as often. So we spent a lot of time with my aunts. And my aunts were the ones that really, like, empowered us um, in a sense of whatever it was that we were going to do, no matter whatever it was, that we always did our best and put our effort and made sure that we did 120%, right? And so I've always applied that into everything that I, I did. So um, I am lucky that I have them to help empower. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of strong women in her family. It's, they, they definitely run the family. <laughs> we all answer to the women. But that also leads to is there still inequality between women and men? Depends on perspective. Uh, we had this conversation earlier. There is, I guess, it's natural to say, yes, there is inequality. I, My perspective is it just depends. Uh, there's probably inequality for women in terms of workplace, asking for the salary, do I have to check every single box before I apply for the job versus most men will just apply for a job and just see like, all right, I get it. If I don't get it, oh, well, right? Sports. 
you go up there and you hit the bat. If you you a ball or you know you swing the bat and hit the ball and if you hit it, right, you're good. But if you're not, we check every single box before we do something. But I, I looked at it from perspective of inequality for a man. What if they're very comfortable of being nurturing and being at home? And what is that persona, right? So, culture, environment, society plays a huge factor of the inequality as well. And it, I mean, it, it all really depends. Yes, to certain degree. But do we carry that inequality burden, or do we do something with it? Um, it just depends. So, do you do you see that work? Yeah, I mean, I think we have the privilege of being Bay Area, not so much uh-huh. versus across other places, depending on your field. All right. Yes. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Country. We were just talking about inequality. Like, here's an example. So, men, you put up. We were. Men, you put up a picture of a family. Automatically, like, whoa, you're like, you got a big family. You're hot, hot on. You're taking care. You're carrying the weight. You're the bed maker. As women, we put up our picture of our families. Like, whew. All right, you got some kids up in your household. How are you handling it? Are you if you are you going to be okay with calling out if your kid is sick? It's always the mom that comes first. Uh, inequality, yeah. So inequality at work plays out in different ways. Like that's one example. Yeah, and I think it's also self-esteem, confidence. We don't know or how we've been. We don't have mentors. Have been support it how to ask for salary or coaching of promotions and all stuff where um, naturally men will just I'm just going to ask for it if it worked out if it worked out if it doesn't okay I feel like being a mom actually I've experienced more discrimination as a mom than as a woman um, in the workplace, and you know that's extremely apparent when it comes to like networking time, right? Like, there's this expectation that you're going to stay after work hours to you know network and go to events, and um, you know that's how you um, get people to remember you, so that when it comes to promotion time, they're like, oh yeah, I met them, they're like really great and whatever. But as mom, you know, oftentimes it's like, oh well, I got to get home because I got to pick up the kids for like you know, um, got to cook dinner or we just. And so that discrimination I have felt, I know myself. Mm. Yeah, motherhood, a marital status. Then it goes to um, age and then womanhood. If you have to rank the inequality, why are you not a mom? Why are you single? To play devil's advocate, how old are you? Is that wrong? To play devil's advocate with what you just said, is it wrong for an employer to have this preconceived notion that a mom won't devote as much time as someone who isn't a mom? Absolutely. But, you know, I mean, I think we need to think back that corporate roles were designed by men. And so that has carried on and hasn't really evolved as much as they should. And so women are still paying the price for motherhood. But it, there's, a, there's a situational aspect there, though, isn't it? Like to, I'm not defending that frame of thought. But um, situationally, if it's a single mom, for example, who has to take care of two small kids, I mean, the expectation changes, doesn't it? In terms of like you just presented networking, is that person available to network, you know, past happy hour into a later dinner? Well, that's also where um, 
there is that inequality between women and men because there's no, for whatever reason, right, there's no expectation that your husband is going to be or or the father of your kids are going to watch your children while you're at happy hour, right? Whereas it's expected that men are going to be at happy hour and their wives are taking care of the kids, right? So there's that part. And then, you know, with, I mean, first of all, Networking and happy hour and alcohol at work is is an issue in itself, right? There should be opportunities for people to be able to network and um, participate in, in, you know, employer-sponsored events that don't require drinking if people don't choose not to. Um, But I feel like, especially for... Single parents, I should say, right? Um, but I think single moms, as you mentioned, probably experience the penalties of being a single mom way more than a single father. I have to agree with that. It is the unconscious bias. Single when when you have a single mom, what do you think? Why is she single? Why? Her husband left her. She was cheated on. I don't know. I mean, there's a husband out there. There's a father out there, but she's by herself. If you think about a single father, why do you think he's single? Why do you think he's raising the kid by himself? (coughs) Unconscious bias probably because he's a widow. I see what you're saying, but I think there's a generational consideration that goes there. Um, I mean, I, for one, you know, with my own employees, I I don't think that. But I also think, I, I do think that women still get the, the short end of the stick. Uh, but I, I so. Because, sorry, I just cut you off. But like if you're interviewing a, 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 a middle-aged woman or, you know, <clears throat> you're going to think the employer is going to wonder in their head, okay, is she going to be able to work long hours because she has to leave early and go you know, take care of her kids. Oh, this one's going to leave at three because she has to do school pickup. Whereas if you're interviewing a man of the same age, that doesn't even really cross your mind for a man, right? But I think that's where the generational aspect comes in. It really... So if you if you have someone that's interviewing you, let's say in their 30s and 40s versus someone who's interviewing you in their 50s and 60s, those are totally different outlooks in life, right? Um, because I've been asked that question and, and let's just... You know, that's pretty much the elephant in the room, I think. When you are interviewing for past um, normal employee positions, like when you're, when you're in, in management, the conversations are different, right? They, they don't even, sometimes it doesn't even take place in the interview room, it just takes place in the walk, right, around the building. Hey, are you going to be able to take that trip? Hey, are you going to be able to take that client out to dinner? And sometimes... For me, at least, I've been asked that directly, and I get—I've communicated this to Rianne a few times. I'm like, I—I I find it offensive, but at the same time, I also see that there's some weight to that question, right? Like, you really do want to depend on that person, and you just want to make sure they're available. So I'm not—I'm not always—I'm not a hundred percent that that I have to really judge who's asking that question before I can just jump to the conclusion that it's a sexist question. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That makes sense. Because I think the expectation is of both male and female in certain certain situations, certain degrees, and certain positions. Well, I remember um, I had a boss who had told me that um, it would be better if I just decline meetings and didn't provide an excuse because that's what men do as opposed to saying oh I gotta you know go pick up my kids so I can't take this meeting right now right and that was a little eye opening for me because I'm like well why wouldn't I explain the situation as to why but you know again that to me that just reinforced the stereotype or the perception of you know like hey for men it's okay for them to just say like I have a conflict period that's it you know and for women we have to constantly we feel like we constantly have to explain ourselves um and provide reasons because we're being looked at like well why you 
you didn't tell me why you couldn't attend this meeting. So out of curiosity, how old was that boss? Like what age range? Um, probably at the time in her mid 40s and she's probably now in her mid 50s. So that was a female telling me this. It was. <coughs> I mean, right. granted. So in the spirit of it, she was trying to help you is what she thought. Correct. Right, because she didn't want you to out yourself as a mom and make yourself look bad. But see, that's where, you know, I had talked about, right. like, where corporate roles were designed by men, right? right? And so oftentimes women or mothers feel like they have to change who they are right. to fit those roles, as opposed to making the workplace more inclusive to be accessible to right. everybody, Accepting right? Regardless, right? Yeah. I mean, you can be mom. You could be, like, you know, taking care of your parents and you right. have to get home because your parent was in, you know, like, adult daycare or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. But, you know, we haven't adjusted corporate life to be um, inclusive. I I think I'm, I don't want to get so focused on the word inclusion. I think it's more to me that corporate life isn't sensitive to certain needs. You know, whether it's, um, whether it's raising kids or taking care of families I don't think there's enough flexibility in most corporate structures to really understand that. So, you know, I I do agree. I think that women just feel more of um, a direct implication that, oh, hey, I hired this lady and here are some extra commitments. But at the same time, I, I I think there is a spread demographically to whatever those pressures may be. I just don't think it's completely isolated to that. I think from a structural standpoint, I mean, think of any corporation. It's about that company. It's about that entity. It's about that life. You're you're either all in or you're not. And again, sometimes it's directly communicated. Sometimes it's indirectly, but I think that's there. I do think, though, that um, there are certain leaders at work or different workplaces that have a role in introducing that sensitivity because that sensitive sensitivity leads to inclusion so one of the things that you said was you're either all in or not right and so i think for me that's that's what i think bugs me a little bit about um how mothers are perceived in the world right just because i have to leave early to pick up my kids does not mean that i'm not all in right because all that means is you know what i can't do this right now but that doesn't mean i'm not working later it doesn't mean that i'm not going to get to it It doesn't mean that it's not important to me right but that's not seen because it's about facetime so you know there's that i think to me is is part of the issue with corporate life right is what people think all in is versus what it what it really is i mean hopefully with covid right like that has changed a little bit um but it also doesn't seem like it because uh workplaces are requiring people to come back into the office like four times a week or five times a week you know as opposed to being fully remote but i mean but that reinforces exactly what i'm saying though like i agree with you it's just that people who run these structures they don't Gosh, I feel like I'm just bad-mouthing all of them in corporate because I'm not. But they don't. Their their main concern is how strong the business is running. Right? Uh-huh. There isn't this this there, there isn't always this extension of gosh, what is this person going through? Or sometimes there's a mistrust of is this person really going to do what they're what they said or what they promised they're, they're going to do after they've done whatever. I mean, um, I w- I work for a corporate. There's been a huge evolution of diversity, inclusion, and making sure that everybody's inequality. Um, earlier in my career, I felt someone has said, like, hey, are you sure you want to be a mom? Because you just gave birth eight weeks in the max of my maternity leave, and why are you here? No one has asked me, like, have you fully recovered from childbirth versus like why are you here versus at home with your child 
Okay, and so my I felt like it's two ways. The co- corporate world it takes a lot to change, and it has is changing. It depends on the corporate. It's a long way, but yeah, but it depends like who's the leader and company you work for and you know what it stands for and where you know the geography the type of company but i think the other piece is that the people that worked for the company if you're not bringing your full authentic self to work and share that piece and advocate for each other and make a change and i know there's a lot of people that will worry about their job and there's so much at risk right depending on your level are you do you even have power to make change from you're on the top versus on the bottom entry level that's the piece like i took that home and i didn't share it with my spouse like the the implication of coming back to work i just did not want to stay home period but if he had yet known like that's what was the impact of corporate Uh, I think he would have stood up for me. And it is what it is, but we don't talk about it often. We just hide it because it is what it is. Like, I just accept that, yeah, you're a mom. You're supposed to take care of all the medical visit, doctor's visit, the family, and the dad, you were the money maker. You just keep moving. And then it just becomes somehow, like, we just keep everyday keeps going and it's acceptable right circle back to what was saying um you had a boss who was in position to do something about it however her advice to you was just it it uh communicated just stay low you know do what you can to not get on their radar so it perpetuates the inequality right and um but you want her to mask it exactly don't talk too loud you know stay in your lane be the woman that they expect you to be so the set of expectations between men and women i mean yeah that completely speaks um to how the culture was built in a organization right i mean like if the culture is toxic then it continues on and it'll manifest in um employee behaviors right um but if the culture was to meant to foster belongingness equality and all the other positive um things that we need to thrive then i think um workers employees would be more um efficient in what they do um you were talking about earlier you know you wish that your partner johnny knew what was going on with you earlier in your career but you chose not to tell him again that that inequality kind of bleeds into your family life your house your household so, I mean, there's a lot to say about inequality, and yes, I truly believe that it does still exist. We're not far from the 20th century, unfortunately. Yeah. There has, to be, a, there has yeah. to be a safe zone to talk about it without repercussion, and there is still... The, re, the inequality associates with repercussion. That's the piece, and a lot, not a lot of people can afford repercussion. I worked 18 years as a diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioner. And, you know, no matter, I, I think, the, like, you can create a culture of belonging and inclusion at the top leadership and, you know, uh, boots on the ground. I think where we struggle the most for the, you know, corp- two corporations that I work for is really middle management. Right? Because when it comes down to it, they're getting the most pressure on business results, right? And so, and also, a, a lot of them or a lot of people are not comfortable talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so, rather than have the conversations as to what where their gaps may be, they will just re- you know revert back to what they know, what they've learned, what they've been taught. So let's, let's look at the other side of that then. In the workplace, are there any advantages to being a woman? Women know how to multitask. <laughs> Organize. Creative. This is the question that we didn't like, by the way, and we plan to veto it. So. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, there, are, there are 
definitely advantages. I don't know if there's a lot, but they there are etiquette, uh, politeness. You know, depending on your upbringing, please and thank you, ma'am. Pull out the chair, pull, open the door, things like that. You're like, okay, thank you. Um, but are those personal advantages for you? Yeah, I mean that should be the norm. Yeah. <laughs> like, go ahead. Like, you're in a you're on a table of conference, and honestly, like right now, you're a woman. Go ahead, you go first. Okay, so you go first because I have something I want to say that you want to hear, or because I'm a woman. I'm like, so the advantage is like, okay, well, let me just share my thoughts first before everybody else try to say that's what I, that's what I was thinking too plagiarize that thought right so there are certain and depends on like how we play it um is there a lot of advantages no because we still are second third fifth in line or waiting for approval permission validation i don't no, I can't think of any advantages <laughs> of being a woman. I'm trying and to wreck my brain. Too yeah, I mean, because really, like, and while you may think of those advantages, but some of those things could, um, you know, really feed into the stereotype, right? Of uh, or perpetuate the stereotype of, of women, right? That we're helpless, inferior. We need help. Submissive. We, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, no, but I, I really can't think of any advantages. Any advantages of being a woman in the workplace. That's fair. I was going to ask this question, but I think your response there, your responses there give us the answer. But hey, let's ask it anyway. So, is there a gender gap? And what is that gender gap? This is the other question that we wanted to veto. <laughs> There's, there's plenty of research that shows that there is a gender gap in the workplace. Is that across the board in every industry? Just about, other than maybe like... Well, no. I mean, I would say there's a gender gap in almost every industry. Because even in like human resources, there's a gender gap, right? There's more women than there are men in those mm-hmm. roles. So there's still a gender gap. And that's the with the uh, mental health field, too. The majority of um, psychology students and professionals are women. Yeah. So in both of those fields, then, with that gender gap in play, is there a disadvantage to that being heavily female-weighted? It depends on your background. If you're Asian, <laughs> Asian, female. I mean, but um, on the topic of diversity and inclusion, it seems like that those fields need to diversify. I do, but sure. I, I think part of the uh, challenge with that is the interest or the available talent pools in that industry, in that mm-hmm. geographical area. Um, and, I mean, if you were to look at, let's just use affirmative action plans, right? Typically, it is reflective of what the pool, what the available pool is. It's just there um, aren't, it, it's kind of like mechanical engineering, right? Like 2% of mechanical engineers are women. Um, and you can try really, really hard to hire, you know, increase um, women in your talent pool, but if there isn't anybody to source from because they're not going into those um, occupations or majoring in that, there isn't a whole lot you could do. You'd have to shift your focus to bring it back to um, education, right? Help trying to help um, children in elementary school, middle school, and high school feel more comfortable going into those types of fields. I think the um, the gender gap has to do with your ability, confidence, risk-taking factors, and then your role in society. <clears throat> Most men are willing to take more risk in job 
because what do you have to lose? If you don't get this one, I'll try the next one. You don't get this one, I'll try the next one, right? It might hurt your ego. It might, you know, your everything else, but but you you can keep going. Where for women, it's you put your all your eggs in one basket. You gotta go because if you don't. Then what's next? Because your role is that, all right, if you don't belong in corporate, Wall Street, or doctor, or be successful, and you wait, you had all that time to build up to your career, and you put your expectation of your role at home, motherhood, wife, or whatever, now you're getting older. Now what? Right? And so you're like, biological clock is click ticking your marital status is at risk like all that right so there's a lot at stake for a woman versus for a man it's like you you can keep you can juggle multiple ex- expectation and still be acceptable in society for a woman it's like you can't move on to the next step until you're good in this like until you're you gotta like you gotta check a box before you go to the next box so hold on (laughs) we all have daughters right so is that what we're teaching them absolutely is that what we're all going to teach our daughters what you guys are so we have this conversation at dinner too right about (laughs) what is it that we want to teach our daughters and we talked a lot about fact that we know that our daughters are going to encounter so much negativity there's going to be so many people that are going to tell them that they can't do things but the best thing that we could do for our daughters is to keep telling them you could do whatever you want to do you're fearless i mean harold uh also known as sweeney todd my husband um he knows that i do affirmations with our six-year-old regularly you know, I make her repeat all the time, every, almost every single day, especially when she's scared, especially when she's sad. You know, I am fearless. I am smart. I can do anything. I am brave because there's so many people that are going to tell her that she can't do something, that I need to be that person. We need to be that person that tells her she can. Right? Yep. Yeah, the gender gap is influenced by many factors. And if we want to talk about earlier beginnings, it would start from the home, right? If, if the child was raised by, let's say, a home that was uh, more masculine, um, then the kid will be, I guess, shaped or modeled to go for more masculine jobs, right? Um, I'm going to pause I, mean, I, I, I echo everything that <coughs> all of you have said. I think... Um, there's really no way to prepare for what you're going to encounter at work, right? But if you teach your kids, male or female, to be independent, self-supporting, self-sufficient, then I think that's like the best way of preparing them for what they're going to encounter. Um, and then to not not necessarily be adversarial, but to also have um, a line as to how much can you tolerate you know, in terms of, I, I mean, I'm speaking from experience. I think sometimes when you work for a company, you get to that moment and you guys, if you haven't felt it, then this is going to sound strange, but you get to that moment where you're like, I'm kind of selling my soul for what I'm doing. So you have to somehow prepare them for that moment without preparing them for that moment, right? Without because how do you blatantly explain to a six-year-old or even an 11-year-old, hey, there's going to be this time where you're going to feel like you're doing the devil's dirty work. You just don't do that, right? Um, so last question on this. What do you guys think is holding our society back? Why is this? Because it seems collectively that that's where we're at. We still have some pushing to go. And just hearing... Your upbringings, I think you all had the dynamic of either being motivated, having nurturing fathers, uh, as well as mothers, but supportive, you know, 
parental figures that could have been very different from how other people were raised um, in the 70s and 80s. So from a societal standpoint, in 2023, what is still holding us back? Not a lot of people are having kitchen table conversation. Everyone just feels like we just do what we got to do. We have our pecking orders and just go. Just got to have, just keep having those kitchen table conversation. Whether you agree to disagree, but you put your authentic self out there and your voice are heard. And if out of what, there's three, seven, nine, ten of us. If eight of us can just hear what I just said, that's enough. Whether you agree or not or have my back, at least I put it out there. And if you just keep pushing, something will change or something will resonate. I just feel like not enough... I mean, I I love the idea, but I don't feel like enough people have the energy to um, be the cycle breaker in their family. And so that is passed on to generations. And um, uh, the problem remains. So, And you were talking about centuries mm-hmm. of, of work that needs to be, you know, undone. Um, I don't think there's any easy solution. Um, but I do feel like it has to start with each individual person, right? Like, I mean, you think about it, we perpetuate stereotypes all the time and we unconsciously, right? Like, um, Lexi just asked me today, we were talking about this at dinner, she was like, does pink mean girls and blue means boys? And I said, well, no, not really. And she goes, well, why do they use that for gender reveal? And you know what? It's true, right? I mean, we do. And that perpetuates all the stereotypes that, you know, pink means feminine and, you know, blue means masculine. And so we have to remember that even sometimes the little things that we do are keeping us where we're at, right, instead of moving forward. Uh, But it's going to take a lot of work, like each individual. Did you have a thought earlier? Can you say something? Um, It's it's funny, but in in my mind... Well, first off, I wanted to say this before we continue and before we end. Um, You, all four of you have very pivotal roles because you're all successful in your own fields and you're representing, you know, your daughters, um, future women. So it, there's this there's this barrier breaking moment for all of you, and I think you guys are all doing that. So thank you for that. Um, but the irony that I feel about what's holding society back is you are all absolutely right. I think men created the structure, but I think the responsibility of breaking it falls more on men than it does on women. I just don't think men hold each other accountable enough in the workplace. That's just really what it is, you know? And you can... And I've experienced this where, like, I feel, like as Heather was saying earlier, people are having the kitchen table conversation and they're not bringing it to work. Um, And there's a lot of maybe fear there, being ostracized, but I do think it starts there. Um, you know, personally, me, um, not, it, it didn't take me having daughters to feel that way. Just working enough through, you know, different various companies, you kind of just see the inner workings of things. And men have a tendency, um, I'm probably going to turn away like 50% of our listeners right now, but men have a tendency to just give in to like, the crowd right you're not going to challenge your boss in front of the room but you know it that's where it starts um and maybe if you're not comfortable challenging your boss then pull that person over and let them know they said something inappropriate um so that's where i think it starts so wait hold on um 
since we are girl dads, <laughs> what are we doing to support our daughters in their roles in society? Good question, Peaches. Um, I mean, personally, I, with my girls at least, I tell them to, you know, they, they face a problem, whatever that problem may be, punch it in the face. You know, I, I don't want them to rely on anyone. Um, we teach them to be independent. We teach them to be problem solvers. But, you know, also make the change you feel is needed. Like there's, obviously, you live in a structure that's created and mostly dominated by man. That's just... As a man, I'm seeing that. I mean, that, that's the truth of the matter, right? But you're not going to break that structure by focusing on what you don't have. You just have to go get it. You, you raise them to be fearless and, you know, lions within the game. Like, it's, it's not... Nothing, nothing in our current societal structure will fall to the person, male or female, who waits for it to come to them. It's just not how this game is built. I would tell you, um, how often do you say that to your daughters, Emma and Ella? Uh, every chance I get. How often do you tell them to your mom, your sister, and all the females that come around the house? Every chance I get. How often do you tell them to say that to all the women that you come across at work? Every chance I get. Good for you. And, and I, I think, think we more, need more than that. We need more of that. More importantly than just talking at them is to model it for them, right? Yeah. Because it starts from the home, really. It does. We do really got to, like, as father figures to girls, we do have to model that shit. Mm-hmm. You do. Honestly. I like, think so I. Because, oh, go ahead. You know. Sometimes for me, I feel like as I talk to my girls and teach them this, I start to come off as a nagger. Right? I'm just, mommy is just telling me this, this, this. So to have dad come in and, you know, talk this, talk with them, and I, I think it brings a whole new meaning. It's not just mom nagging at me again, right? And I think it carries a lot of weight coming from dad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I applaud you guys for all doing that. It is so important. I think um, of my upbringing. My my dad has never taught me to, your role was to be a wife, have kids. The feminine side is just keep the house in order, help others, and take accountability of your consequences, right? And just keep pushing forward. And that's what my dad taught me. And I married a person who. I married a person who is very supportive of the pride community because I cannot say every single acronym that's out there currently LBGTQ, and I know there's more. So I will say pride community. And I had a hard time. He was very supportive. Very. And most men, husband, father of a daughter, be like, I'm out. I'm not going to put up with this. It's a she. She needs to be a wife. Needs to have kids. And he's like, I knew this whole time. We were just waiting for you to come around. And so every time I question or I have doubt because I fear for what, how, what is ahead, that she's going to get hurt, not because who she's love or what, I'm totally for it. I think it's just because a parent wants to protect the child's pain. I, he reminds me of we're raising a person, a human and what impact will that person have in society? Not necessarily what role 
they have because whether they write a novel or win the Nobel Peace Prize or be a scientist or whatever, that's irrelevant. They have a role of just being happy. So if... And I always... He reminds me of like... It's okay... To just... Be who you are. And I still have a hard time with it because of everybody else. The glass that's looking in. And I don't... I do open my windows to who I want to open my windows to. So if I can ask... The inequality of men and women is to just advocate, not necessarily for your wife or for the woman in the workplace, because I think we're strong enough and we're in a place that we can fight. And it's years of work, right, to undo and change, and it will evolve. But it's the girls and the person that you're raising ahead of you to feel empowered versus motivate and I think it goes back to there is a huge difference between motivate and empowered and that's the piece that like I always remind Talon like I don't care if you want to be a mom or not I don't care like I just want you to be happy I want you to be present I want you to be here and I want you to know you are loved and everything else would just come in place. And I also say the same thing to my son because I also know that it's not just about my daughter. It's just not about the woman because it's like, Mom, I'm not six feet. I'm like 5'10". I'm not tall enough. Or I'm going to college. Will I be rich? Or will I, like, who am, like what am I supposed to do? Like, you have a place. Just please just be just know that you have a place and keep pushing for it and feel empowered and that's the part like I feel really blessed to have that kitchen table talk that we do talk every night about all the time whether we want to talk about it or not we talk about it so so you just said something that is um, I think it's important too, right? Well, we should like, like eyeglasses glue is going to come off. Though <laughs> <laughs> it's about sons, right? I think that's also um, something that's important as well for those of us that have sons. We have to remember to teach them the same things, right? So that yeah. they're respectful of women, that they remember um, to help empower women and not to look at these gender roles in a certain you know, way. So. I think also something that gets overlooked with Tess, we're still on your question, Peaches. Peaches. Um, Peaches. But I think it all ties back together with what, you know, Heather, what you were just saying, what you were just saying, which is, uh, it's one thing to tell our daughters these things, but I think we also have to show it. And by show it, I mean how you how you show that equality with your wife in yeah. front of your daughters. Right? And yeah. I think like how all of y'all were brought up, y'all pick up on that as kids, right? So seeing how dad teaches treats mom and how mom treats dad as equals shows them this is how it should be, right? So I think it goes past just telling them, but also showing it at home every day. Yep. And I think they pick up on that. That's a that's a good point. I'm, I'm going to shout out um, our boy Eric Edpal. Shout out Eric Edpal, because when Rianne was uh, when we found out Rianne was was pregnant with with Ella and she was our first girl, I happened to be with Eric, um, who was uh, becoming a grandparent for the first time at that at that moment, um, and then I just asked him. You know how do you, how do you deal? What's the difference between raising boys and girls? Because all we had at the time was was boys, and I'll always take what um, I took what he said to heart because it's 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 uh, it's so obvious that you just miss it. But he said, you know, all you really have to do as a as a male figure, as a dad, as a husband, is just be the best husband you can be to your wife in front of your kids right 
um, if you love your wife affectionately, openly, and honestly in front of them, the boys learn how a woman should be treated and respected, but also the, the girls see how they should be treated and respected. So it's like an equal distribution of feelings, right? right. But, I mean, that's something I think our parents, or at least my parents, weren't really good about. They just, you know, like Heather said earlier, everything happened outside, arguments happen outside and this is something Rianne uh, actually was really good about what I say what I bringing to our household is you know you, you obviously as parents don't really want your kids to see you in conflict but there's a lot of good in having your kids seeing you resolve that conflict For whatever sure. it may be because if they never see that, then they never see the end point, right? Like how you came they to the resolution. They just see all the good, right? Well, they or just they see the good, or they see that they you're hiding see. the bad. Yeah. Um, I know but, how it started, but I just don't know how it finished. Right, yeah. yeah. And, you know, there's there's other nuances to that. You could re- you could disagree, but respectfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and some things you'll just never agree upon, but you have to learn to accept those differences, too. And see how to work through it at the same time. Yeah, so Eric Edpow, the sage young Eric grandfather. <laughs> I know that guy. <laughs> I know him. Oh, yeah. Yes. From running all the courts SF to the town. Dad pause, now we just running our mouths. Barbershop talk, rocking the spot. Got you thinking these opinions all coming in hot. Lifelong bond has the convos flow. Time just goes, constant growth. Straight from the base, spreading knowledge and laughs. Listen up, show love, homie, it's the second half.